0: Hello, and welcome to Step Life, a podcast all about navigating living in a step family. Today, I'm joined by Marcy Shaul. Marcy is an accredited coach and runs the only dedicated private co parenting coaching practice in the UK Rolling Stone Coaching. She developed a coaching system to help parents get to a place where they can work together to raise their children, even though they're no longer in a relationship. Hi, Marcy. Thanks for joining us. Hi. So tell me a bit about your coaching and what you do. So
1: um, I do what I do because I really believe that when we decide to have kids, whether we're in however our relationship structure is you know that's our responsibility our responsibility is to our kids and you know relationships break down and we get divorced and we separate but that responsibility doesn't go away and I really really believe that we have to do everything we can as parents to be parents and bring up our kids in a in a safe way.
0: And how did you um, decide to come into this sort of co-parenting coaching? So in 2009, I got divorced. I had a a one-year-old
1: son and it was probably the hardest life experience I've I've ever been through to suddenly find myself as a, a single mummy. And I had no reference point for that really. And it was all a bit overwhelming. So I was talking with a friend of mine and he was divorced and he was kind of the only person I knew that was divorced. And I was talking about how you know what should I do do I go for access to my son or do I share the access and he was like look every child has a right to see both parents and you know something inside me just clicked and I was like oh my god that's absolutely right and so from that point on even though that our relationship breakdown was really really difficult and tough and emotional we decided we were going to do everything we could to parent our son together and we did and we started that journey and it's had lots of bumps in the road and and lots of kind of hurdles to jump over but ultimately we're in a place where We can talk about our son together, and now there are new partners involved. We've brought them into that system and that way of working, and it's proving to keep our son really safe. And so I thought when I retrained to become a coach, I was like, well, hang on a minute, when I went through this, there was just nothing out there. And why isn't there anything out there? You know, why is everybody kind of pitted against each other when they get divorced? And and why are the children often in the middle? And that's not right. So I used I did a lot of research, I used my own experience. um, And I developed a methodology called the co parent way. And that's what I do. I, I take parents through that system and that coaching technique to get them to a place where they can parent their children together, even though they might not particularly like each other or trust each other anymore.
0: And do you find that both parents are up for it? Or do you normally just get one parent coming to see you and then taking what they've learned from you and bringing that into how they deal with their ex?
1: It really depends on each situation. So I do both. When both parents come to me Either it's because both of their solicitors have recommended me to them or one person has found out about me and they go to their other parent. And the great thing about the co-parent way is I never coach them at the same time in the same room okay so I always work with each parent simultaneously but separately and that takes out immediately any kind of conflict or accusations that might be being thrown around I don't even need to know the story of their divorce I just need to get them to a place where they are able to see that they want a parent with the with their ex
0: it must be a real journey for people from the moment they come to you to when you sort of see them at the end um, and how they develop and how they change.
1: Yes, it, it is. It's it's a real privilege, actually. And, you know, co-parenting is possibly one of the hardest things that you'll ever do. It's not easy to parent with someone that you're not in a relationship with and, you know, seeing these people, seeing my clients, you know, they they show up. They're very defensive often to start with. They don't know what to expect. They feel um, hard done by often, or angry, or you know, or upset. And you know, the process kind of moves the clients through those emotions and gives them the skills and the tools to be able to deal with them. And when they can deal with them, we, we often introduce a, a piece of work called, we call perspective work where the clients, can the parents can see things from each other's point of view and their children's point of view. And when they can get to a place where they really understand that their ex loves their child, too, you kind of that's when the penny drops. OK, because, you know, that's that's what parenting is, isn't it? It should come from a, a place of love and then a place of practicality.
0: So you work with both parents separately. And then do you sort of feedback to each how the other's feeling? Or No,
1: um... no, it's completely confidential. So when I work with mum, it's com- whatever I do with mum is confidential. And with the other parent, if it's dad, you know, completely confidential as well. What I do is I look at where the crossover is. And from that place, I draw up a co-parent charter and I work with each of the parents individually to see what it is they want from their parenting, what they want for their children, where their own lines in the sand are, where their boundaries are, what they won't do, what they will do and what they're going to do when their ex-husband or their ex-wife meets another partner, you know, all of these things we work together and I draw up this charter and I present it to them both separately and we kind of refine it and we get it to a place where both are happy and then I bring them both into the room at the the last session for about half an hour usually, we go through it, we agree to it, they sign it, um, they stick it on their fridge and they've got a roadmap of how they're going to parent going forward. Now, it's not always perfect. You know, there are often, you know, more bumps in the road. But what they have is an intention of how they're going to be with each other for their children.
0: And what sort of an impact does it make on the children, have you found, when parents do co-parent or get along better? It enables that child to still
1: remain in a what we call a parental bubble, so they can stay, um, so both parents are holding the child in a very safe way, and that child can be a child, you know, can go out and play, can go out and, and, and push boundaries and not be worried about what mum's going to say about dad or what dad's going to say about mum and oh my goodness and i and having to watch what they're saying and just allows them to be free and when a child is free they can grow up in a really healthy way and seeing that you can be in a relationship that doesn't work But still, you can communicate well, you can um, negotiate with each other. You know, it's a really, really healthy place to be for a child.
0: So do you feel that children can recover and have a normal life after divorce? Yes,
1: absolutely. I think, you know... All lives have challenges in them and it's the having the tools and the skills to be able to deal with those challenges. I've seen from my own co-parenting experience and the co-parenting experiences of my clients that, yes, you know, kids are happier. They're safer. They're more resilient um, than they would have been if their parents hadn't either been through the process or decided to co-parent together.
0: So is it possible to give some sort of tips or advice on general sort of co-parenting that anyone listening may be able to sort of pick up and take from you?
1: Yes, um, absolutely. I think the most important thing when you're trying to co-parent with someone is looking at how you communicate with them, okay? So we have so many methods of communication these days, don't we, you know, WhatsApp, Facebook, just texting, emailing, you know, and actually the written word... Is, can be risk you know you could not put an exclamation mark in and the other person thinks that you're being grumpy or you don't put a kiss and the other person you know thinks that you've got the hump with them and so I think looking at how you communicate with your ex is absolutely crucial the words you use the language you use really really simple things using the word and instead of but because but is a really negative word and, and it negates everything that's gone before it so you know It's about collaborative communication, not aggressive communication. And, you know, when you see each other, to always be polite and respectful that, you know, you're standing in front of another human being who you decided to have a child with. You know, you went to bed with that person. So, you know, let's let's remember that once upon a time you had an okay relationship and try to go to that place when you're in the same room as them because your kids are gonna be watching the whole time. And even if they're not in the room, they're picking up everything that you're saying, everything that you're doing, because they're they're intelligent.
0: I think when you say it like that, you sit here and you think, of course, you're so right, but often the reality is so different.
1: So the reality is different often. Yes, you're right. Um, However, I firmly believe it's a choice that we make okay, where we can choose to communicate in a confrontational way, or we can choose to communicate in a collaborative way. And I can tell you 100% that it's often harder to communicate in a collaborative way with somebody you don't like anymore. Okay, but actually, it's your responsibility to do that as a parent, because it's not your child's fault that you're getting divorced. And the relationship between you and your ex needs to be the solution and not the problem.
0: So it's also a bit of tough love, I'm sure, that you tell your clients when they come and see you yes it is
1: we use techniques such as mirroring where you know you kind of you hold up what they're doing in front of them and demonstrate an impact that their words are having and the long-term impact um the coaching relationship is is really safe it's it's a really wonderful relationship it's collaborative it's fun and it's challenging okay so you know I explain to my clients that it's not a magic wand you know you're not going to go out of here and have the the, if if it was I'd bottle it and I'd be a millionaire um So, you know, it's tough love, but it's, it's actually it's truth telling in a really safe and structured way where clients don't feel criticized. They don't feel judged. They can say whatever they need to say. And it's a really safe environment to, to let all those emotions out. And it's better to let them out with me than it is to your ex.
0: And do you often find that you're their main outlet because maybe family members or friends don't really understand what they're going through or disagree with how they may be co-parenting, etc.
1: Yes, and I think just on that last point you make, you know, everyone seems to have an opinion when you get divorced about what you should do, how you should co-parent, what your custody arrangements should be. And and it's really hard to, to kind of clear all that noise and be able to make a sensible decision that works for you. And when clients come into the room, they do often want to kind of offload and tell me all the stories about he said and she said. And and actually it's my responsibility as a coach to let them clear for a little bit, but I don't need to hear the story to enable them, to work with them, to enable them to shift into a different place. So it's a fine balance between letting them vent when they need to and and actually saying okay you know what just stop because that's happened and this is where we are and this is what we can do to kind of move you away from that place and move you forward into a better place.
0: And I suppose the whole point of being a coach is you're not actually a therapist Correct. So your role is very different to a therapist when people come and see you?
1: Absolutely. You're, you're you're right on the button there. Coaching is not therapy. You know, there are amazing therapists, family therapists out there to do that work. Therapy is often about looking backwards or looking at the reasons why things are happening. And coaching is different. It's, it's about identifying where you are now and moving you forward from that place. So it has... It's a much shorter relationship, a coaching relationship, than a therapeutic relationship.
0: And do you find that people mainly come to you straight away after deciding to get divorced, when they're in the midst of divorce, after divorce, or even a few years down the line, when maybe they've encountered a prolonged acrimonious or bad relationship with their ex and just need to sort of sort things out?
1: All of the above.
0: Um, I think that Parents who
1: have been through a long acrimonious divorce, that's often when I see one parent and not both because, you know, they've either been alienated or they're having a very difficult time in the court process. Their self-confidence might be on the floor and it's, you know, people can be broken. But this is about enabling people to see their strengths and, and rebuild from that point. I see people at all of those situations and at all of those points on their process. And and my job is really to meet them where they are and work with them from that point.
0: And I'm really interested in blended and step families. Obviously, this whole podcast is, is about step families. Do people come to you and talk about blending their family, their new partners, how they're coping or not coping with their ex's new partner and how do you kind of navigate them through that?
1: Yeah I mean anyway it's a really complicated and complex system when you start to introduce new people because you know those new partners don't necessarily buy into what you're doing those people have parents so there are kind of new grandparents involved, siblings, aunts, uncles and it can be a really difficult space to navigate The main premise that sits behind the blended family work that we do is that everybody almost needs a message sheet. Okay, so I mean that's in its simplest term is that everybody gets given a sheet, and it's not quite like this, obviously, but you know this is how we refer to each other. This is how we um, we we talk. to the original child if you like about our family system the parents should put in boundaries you know this is what happens at Christmas this is what happens at birthdays and and all of those things so it's quite we start small because it's can be very overwhelming the main premise that we come from the main focus area is always keeping that original child as safe as possible in this kind of big unruly new system that they're finding themselves in and slowly slowly you help the parent and the step parent work with their extended families to get everybody on the same page it's not perfect but it really works to um, keep those kids safe
0: do you often get the parent coming to see you with their new partner? to discuss anything from how they co-parent together because they may be coming from a different place but also how they deal with the ex on the scene
1: yes for sure for sure and there are different ways of dealing with that but you know coming up with a parenting plan together is really is a really good way of kind of mitigating any problems further down the line and actually that's not just about practical Approaches. that's about your value system, okay? What is it that you want? What is it that's important to you? Um, what drives you as a person? And what drives you as a parent? And where are the matches with your other parent? And so you find the kind of the common ground and you work from that place. And that's quite a different piece to when, um, you know, a parents come in and they're having to deal with a, a, a nasty ex or a difficult ex that then we work with them on their communication skills um, how to be transactional what messages they should be um, giving to that ex so it's they're, they're quite different pieces of work but yeah we can do all of that and we also work do kind of workshops where we often get grandparents and aunties and uncles in a room and we never work with the children just to say that and we kind of work them through that message board if you like and helping them to understand that keeping the kids safe is the most important thing that they can do
0: it sounds like quite rightly the kids are just the core and everything else correct builds from that absolutely so what would you say to sort of people who have got divorced who live different homes now have children together, is it good to have the same rules at each house, or mum has one rule, dad has other rules, and that's just the way the children know it to be? Or is it better to have unified parenting? Is that when they come to you? Is that what you're working towards?
1: I think the ideal is to have the same rules at mum's house and dad's house, or, or however the relationship is. Um, and I think that's quite difficult to achieve. But if the central main rules are similar or the same, I think you're in a good place. So, for instance, in our family unit, in our family system, we don't do screens in the week, but we do them at weekends. And we don't do sweets every night of the week. We do them on certain days. And I mean, those are very kind of small examples. But, you know, you need to remember that those rules that you put in place for the original children also impact on stepbrothers and stepsisters, okay? So it has to be palatable with how you want to bring up your kind of newer children as well. And if that doesn't work, the more clarity you can give your kids, the better, so they know exactly what happens at mum's house, they know exactly what happens at dad's house, so they don't feel lost or at sea. I think that that's when things can become tricky.
0: Yeah, because kids do need boundaries, very much so, and rules, don't
1: they? They do, yeah. They need to know what's what. And you know, another kind of tip, if you're if you're looking for a tip, is to tell your kids in advance what's happening over the next couple of weeks. So these days you're at mums, these days you're at dads. This is what's happening for Christmas. This is who'll be here on your birthday. Prepare them, always prepare them. They can't be over prepared.
0: So over preparing them isn't actually overwhelming them
1: depends how you do it, doesn't it? So um, if you sit down with them for five minutes and go through it with them, that seems to work quite well. If you're constantly telling them things, that's, that's intruding on their kind of space and their downtime. So you know, pick your moment, remember that you need to respect them as, as human beings, despite their age.
0: And would you say that there is life after divorce and acrimonious relationships and you can rebuild harmony with your ex.
1: Yes, definitely. Um, I've done it. I know other people that have done it. My clients have done it. It is possible to meet new people and have new relationships. Of course it is. I think if you're listening to this and you're in the very early stages of your separation, that you may not feel like that. Those are dark days. They're crisis days, Okay, But, you know, draw in support from your friends and your family and just kind of take each day as it comes. And eventually, eventually there'll be a light at the end of the tunnel and you can just kind of Rock on towards that light.
0: And how is your relationship now with your ex and your child and um, things like that?
1: Yeah, we have a WhatsApp group which was a big step for us. And it was um, suggested by um, my son's stepmom, and it's been a really, really great idea. So it's kind of admin and planning and we have boundaries around that WhatsApp group. So it's not about our son's emotional welfare, it's about where he needs to be and what sports kit he needs and those kinds of things. And now my son's old enough, we have a WhatsApp group with all of his four parents and him involved in it. So we can send and share photos and things like that. So it's good, you know, it's not always easy. um, And I think that they would say the same. But, you know, we've got to a point where we're respectful, we're polite. And, you know, my son has two mums and two dads. And that took me quite a long time to be able to say that. But it's true and he's better for it he has four parents instead of two he has experiences that i could never have given him as a mother that he gets from his stepmom and vice versa from his dad and his stepdad and i think looking back for him when he's in his 20s or 30s he will probably say that that's been an advantage of having a, a blended family
0: i'm quite interested marcy in something that you said really touched me about how you found it difficult but now you accept that your child has two mothers what advice would you give to people to get to that place? Because I think it's a place where a lot of people would love to get to, but getting there is really hard.
1: That's a really hard question to answer. For me, it was when I first realised that custody of my child with was not a competition with my ex. And actually, you know, he loves him too my ex-husband loves my son, and he wants the best for my son. And so that was my starting point. And then from that, it was understanding that actually, my son's stepmom loves him too, and she does nice things for him. And my son loves his stepmom. And that was quite challenging to get my head around. But I did get my head around it because it's the truth. And actually, if you see things as they are and without the filters that we tend to put on things, then you see the truth really clearly. And children are simple in terms of, you know, who they love. And when they have, you know, healthy relationships with parents and step parents, that's fine, you know, and, and getting to the point where I said out aloud that my son has two mums was a long road but it would it had been brewing in me for a while I, I knew it on on a fundamental level you know she feeds him she buys him clothes you know that's not massively different to me and my son knows who his biological mum is that's i have no doubt about that i'm very secure in the knowledge that he knows that i'm his mum and that i'm and he's my son and he has the advantage of having a stepmum who's really great with him
0: And that's, like you said before, really wonderful that he has someone in his life. And for you to know that she's nice and um, looks after him and loves him is all you could ask for. It's all I could ask for. Yeah. I think when you hear stories like yours and for anyone listening, you can see all the benefits and the positivity. But I suppose for a lot of people, that is a long journey to get to that. For others, it happens straight away. Mm -hmm. Obviously, every situation is different. But when you look at it, how lucky your son is to have all that, that is amazing. But I think that says also about the individual and, for example, you as a woman and how remarkable you are that you can have that foresight and insight where I think a lot of people, it's blocked and and it's getting through those blockers.
1: Which is why, you know, I'd I'd love people to go and have a coach, a co-parent coach ideally, but any kind of coaching, move those blockers, realise that it's not about the place that you are now, it's about the long-term goal, it's not, as Simon Sinek says, it's not the finite game, it's the infinite game you're playing, it's the long-term game and, you know, remember the impact that every action you take has on your kids.
0: What would you say to someone who really isn't in a great place with their ex and sort of some initial advice for them?
1: It depends on the situation, but you know, if you have no contact with your kids, keep writing to them, keep texting the children, keep writing to the children, keep showing that you're present, even if they're not able to see that now, because one day they'll go and look for it. One day they'll want to know that you were there and why you weren't there, and they'll see that you were there, actually. And, you know, children are children, and then they become adults, and then things change, okay? When you have an adult child, you can interact with them in a really different way than when your child is eight or nine or or whatever.
0: And going back to advice, what advice would you give to a step-parent coming into a situation where two parents may not get along and they're trying to help support their partner and make the situation better?
1: Um, I'd say that, you know, remember that you don't have a magic wand again and find out what it is that your partner wants support in because sometimes we can want to fix things and we can't fix things. So being a stable presence... Being somebody that is happy and supportive and with depth and that listens to your partner when they come back and they're complaining about their ex can be a great starting point. Um, If your partner wants advice, then, you know, sit down together and understand what the impact is going to be on your new family and, and how to approach that together and try and work through it that way. Communication, always communicate, be as open as you can be.
0: And similarly, I'm sure you get a lot of step parents who don't agree with maybe arrangements that parents have made or aren't happy with situations. And how do you kind of navigate through that? Like maybe their amnesty towards the ex or for the partner to deal with his step wife or etc. So it becomes about intention. okay? and that's a word
1: that you'll hear in coaching quite a lot. What's your intention here? And I always encourage my clients to have the intention of making sure their children are safe and happy because you might never get a perfect arrangement when there's lots of different um, families and children involved, okay? But if the intention is to make it fair and the intention is to keep your kids safe and happy, then I think you'll be able to find enough middle ground to work from.
0: And what you were saying before about email and text messaging and people reading into that or not getting the right nuances of the language that you've used. Do you think it's better then to speak face to face or have a neutral place where maybe you meet once a month and discuss issues? How would you say it's the best way for two people to communicate?
1: Ideally, you'll have regular arrangements in place, especially if kids are young And you will meet once every two months, face to face for an hour in a neutral place. And you will have an agenda because you have to treat it like a business meeting. The whole idea behind co-parent coaching is to get parents to be transactional with each other. So take all the emotion out. So you wouldn't go into a meeting with a colleague, for instance, and start shouting and screaming at them. And I'm aiming that you don't go into a meeting with your ex and start shouting and screaming at them, because we all know when we're shouting and screaming, we can't get anything done. We can't achieve anything. And actually, if you go into the meeting with your ex intending to achieve something, i.e. keep your kids happy and safe and sort out the ra- the arrangements for the next two months, then um, it's going to be a a better meeting. The neutral place is important, somewhere where you haven't been on dates together, you know, like just somewhere completely neutral. And the standing agenda is also, uh, works really well because everybody knows what they're signing up to. The other tip I would give you, if there's anything else that sits outside that agenda, let the other parent know before so they can plan, so they can think about how they want to respond. Because when we're caught off guard, that's often when our least desirable actions come out.
0: So the most important things that I've sort of taken from what you've said is the child is the core, communication, knowing your intention and thinking about what's said and where you want to be going rather than looking back over the past and everything that's kind of happened.
1: Absolutely. And the only other one I would add to that would be remember that your ex loves your child too.
0: Marcy, thank you so much for coming on and for telling us all about your work and what you do with couples. If you want to find out more about Marcy and even get in touch with her, then please see the show notes where her website and details are. And I really hope that this podcast helps people and raises awareness of step families, blended families, getting through divorce, life after divorce and also gives people who aren't in a step family or blended family some insight into what it's like if you've enjoyed listening please do review the podcast as it really helps other people find it and thank you for listening